Right, so <clears throat> I want to talk to you, we, we're, we're in a season where we're not diving into a particular season, there are di- various different one-off messages that we feel like we want to just um, throw into uh, the season we're in, and uh, the thing I feel like I've been carrying for us, um, actually for a, a couple of months now, is, um, is really circling in, in and around this uh, reality of God's faithfulness towards us. And I want to talk to us, and I want to talk to myself this morning about faith full obedience. Faithful obedience, that's what I want to talk to us about. And if you've got your Bibles, uh, you, we're going to be in uh, Luke 5 this morning, uh, Luke 5 verses 1 through to 12. So if you've got your Bibles, pull them out. The words will be up on the screen as well, so um, you can follow along. But, but the normal Christian life is a, is a radical journey of faith. And the response of our lives in that normal Christian life is a, is a journey of obedience to what God calls us to, both in the moments of everyday life and in the overarching landscape of the whole of our lives. There's a, there's a, a journey of radical faith where we get to be obedient to what God says. We get to be obedient to what he calls us to, the assignments on our life, both in, in short moments whether that be sat in a coffee house where he says, listen, I've got a word for that person you sat next to, or I want you to buy the person behind you a coffee, whether it's in the obedience and faithfulness in those moments, or whether it's in the overarching scope of the vision and passion and destiny and dreams that he's placed on your life. And I want to call some of that stuff out this morning. But faith really is, it's our response to a word of promise. It's our response. It's how I get the the equity of my life behind what God calls me to, what he says about me, how I live my life faithfully according to who he says I am and what he's called me to do. This is our our journey of faith. It's like like when when somebody would get engaged. Listen, there's there's a window of time between when you put that ring on a person's finger and they say yes, there's a window of time where you, you're operating in faith. Ian and Michelle are getting married in a couple of weeks' time and when Ian put that ring on Michelle's finger and she stupidly said yes. No, I'm kidding. I love Ian. When she, in blind faith, said yes. There's this journey that they've been on between then and in a couple of weeks' time when she will walk down an aisle and they'll make promises before God, where they have put their faith in that yes, in that decision. They've put their faith, they've put their finance behind planning a wedding day. They've put their time and energy in doing some pre-marriage, which is a preparation for the rest of their life. They've put time and energy and finance into a, a moment where they said yes, and then a journey of faith until that day when they look towards the rest of their life and they're a married couple. But there's that journey of faith where our behavior, our time, our energy, a resource of our life has to come into agreement with the things that are yes over our lives, the decisions we make about ourselves, what God says about us. There's a journey of faith and there's a journey of, a, of obedience and faith that we have to figure out along the way, even though Actually, it may well be down the line when we get to figure out and we get to walk in and we get to experience that thing which we've held uh, faithfulness over. So I want to read this passage. It's a story that may be familiar to you, but I want to read this passage and pull some things out for us this morning. So Luke 5, verses 1 to 12. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. The people would crowd around him and listen to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats 
left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of them, the one belonging to Simon, and asked to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let your nets down for a catch. This is Simon's response. He answered, Master, we've been working all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I let down the nets. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish and the nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they'd taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fisher, fish, uh, you will fish for people. Another translation says, You'll be fishers of men. So they pulled their boats up on the shore. They left everything and followed Jesus. So this story, there's, um, there's a couple of significant moments where Jesus stares into the eyes of, right into the eyes of Simon, and he declares something about Simon's future. Something that ultimately Simon would have to respond to with, with his obedience, with his life. But he looked into Simon's eyes and he said these two things. The first thing was seemingly simple, and that was Simon... Go out into deep water and let down your nets. And then the second thing that he stared into the eyes of Simon after this whole escapade had played out, he stared into Simon's eyes. He said, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Now, the, the first instruction, the first interaction with Jesus was a very short-term project. And the second one, well, it set the course of the rest of Simon's life. The first one, I believe, was, a, was a, an interaction with Jesus that actually set Simon up for, for what would come in that second interaction with Jesus. There's something that Simon had to learn in those moments when Jesus had spoken something that seemed impossible. And we'll break this down in a few minutes. There's something that Simon had to learn in that moment of impossibility, that moment where he stared in bewilderment at what Jesus was calling him to. Um, there was something he had to learn in relation to his obedience and, and ultimately that would help him understand what it would look like for him to, to follow Jesus fully with the whole of his life. You know, there's so much we can pull from this passage. I want to do that briefly this morning. But uh, I want to do it briefly, but considering it in the context of, of our dreams and our destiny, the things which God has spoken over our lives as individuals. You know, two moments in, the, in this passage where Jesus steps into Simon's story. And he sets the course. He steps into Simon's everyday moment and he sets the course of this man's life. And in fact, the, not just Simon's life, the life of his partners and his friends. Let down your nets for a catch was a vision for the next few moments of his life. But I want you to become fishers of men, set the course of Simon's life. You know, dreams, uh, um, dreams are, are really these moments when, when we think we just hatch up a plan, but ultimately the, the dreams, the destiny that's on our life is when Jesus steps into our everyday and says, I want to tell you something about your future. I want to inspire you towards what your future could look like. I want to place a dream in your heart that if you add your obedience to, 
I'll change the course of not just your life, but the lives of those people around you. And this is the, this is the family and this is the environment that we want to create as a, as a family. You know, so our ability to dream with God is really important for each one of you. It's really important. We want to, as a church family, create a culture where, where, where dreaming for the impossible is, is possible. That's why dreaming with God is hugely important here that you discover the specific assignment that's on your life, the destiny and promises and dreams that God is, God is and is speaking into your life. I would say this as a, as a statement. Dreams are the destiny that you discover in the Father, but they're the things that get incubated in family. Why do I say that? I want to be really clear, before we go back to this story and look, I want to be really clear about, about what a church family, what a church really should be all about and what we're giving ourselves to as a community. Our, our desire and aim for Sarah and I is to create a family where, where you can dream, where you can partner with God's assignment over your life and see that flourish and nurtured and grow. You know, one of the things that I, I feel so sad about is when I, when I see people who will live their dream life subservient to a church organization's dream. We, we, don't, we don't build a church organization such that you have to submit your vision uh, to, to our vision. It's just not how, we, it's not how we build. We build family. You know, I don't want for, for the vision, the assignment that's on your life to be constrained by the vision of the church. I want it to be fulfilled by the vision of the church, to be equipped by the vision of the church, to be strengthened by a community, by a family that will wrap itself around you and, and what God's called you to do and see that flourish and nurture and equipped and grow. That's our heart's desire. You know, if the resource of your life, your time, your energy, and your money is simply constrained by a corporate vision or an organization, by a church, you will never extravagantly live out the incredible assignment that's on your life. So if you thought that connecting to a church was about you sitting down and, and taking your place and letting other people live the normal Christian life for you, that's not what you'll find here in this family. You'll find a group of people that will wrap themselves around you. That our desire is that every person that calls Vine Life Church their home, that you would be seen, heard, and known. And in the process of family wrapping itself around you and really knowing you, that we would discover alongside you what it is that you're on the planet for. What it is, the destiny and dreams, what Jesus has spoken to you about your future. That in knowing you, we could wrap around you and we could encourage you, we could strengthen you. We could equip you. And when I say we, I'm not talking about a platform. I'm talking about a community. Could know you and call you to greatness, the greatness that's inside you, this, this destiny and dream that God placed in you. And if you feel like you're sitting there going, well, I don't know what my dream is. I don't know what my destiny is. That's the beauty of family. We can wrap ourselves around you in that journey of discovering what those things are. That's what a church community should be all about. It's not your life subservient to my vision. Yeah, we, we have some dreams as a church family, but it, it, it's all about building people, not programs. <laughs> Either someone's killing our children or they're having a great time. <laughs> and this is why, as a family, we, we, don't, we don't build big programs. We're going after a family that would help mature big people. 
who dream big about bringing Jesus to this city, where we can incubate and help grow the dreams and the vision that God has spoken to you. You know, honestly, it's in those dreams where your neighbors, your family experience and encounter the love of Jesus through you. It's in those dreams and those visions where God's spoken to you about finding solutions, maybe through business, to alleviate poverty or homelessness. It's about the vision and dream that you have in your life to, to find those who are lost and lonely and vulnerable and find them, um, them wrapped up in a family that will see them healed, restored, finding value and restoration and wholeness. It's in your dreams where maybe you have a dream to, to build a business that actually would, would create income and generate finance to, to build and strengthen the infrastructure of this city so that we can house and home refugees. It's in and on the resource of your life that, that God and Jesus will speak into your life and say, this is the vision I see for you. It's in the vision and dreams that Jesus has spoken to you that will see children developed in, in education and in schools that are flooded and, and saturated with kingdom principles. You know, it's in your visions, in your dreams, perhaps as you show up in the hospitals or the surgeries or the, the medical spaces around this city where you bring uh, the, the awareness of the kingdom of heaven and that healing and wholeness and hope could be released through your practice. See, it's on us as individuals not to come to church, but to be the church, to carry the very inheritance of the kingdom of heaven beyond the four walls of this church. This is what we live and breathe for as a community, that dreams would be incubated here, that you would believe and know and see just who you really are because you see just how amazing your father is, just how good he is. And as you walk in the reality of that goodness into your workplaces, in your families, in your streets, you'd bring the full reality of the kingdom of heaven. Because you, at some point, found Jesus step into your everyday and speak a vision of your life and your future. And it stirred destiny and it stirred a dream in you. That's why creating a family where you can dream is so important to us. Please don't feel that you have to be subservient to an organizational um, church structure. We're actually not going to build it for you. We want to build family because ultimately Jesus didn't come back for employees. He came back for sons and daughters. He came back to restore a family and we want to build the infrastructure of family and how we see you positioned in this city to bring radical transformation, to see Jesus known, to see the light and the life of the kingdom of God demonstrated in and through your life. That's what we sign up to in family. So that's why dreaming is really important. And that's why ultimately you're the only person that can live out your vision. You're the only person that can live out that dream. You're the only person when Jesus steps into your every day and, and speaks a word about the vision of your life, whether it be for the next 10 minutes or for the next 10 years, you're the only one that can live that dream and destiny and reality out. I can't organize that for you. The normal Christian life is your normal Christian life. I can't build a ministry to do that for you. I can't create a service for it. I can't hire more staff onto the staff to do that for you. It's yours to own because it was Jesus that stepped into your every day and called you and placed an assignment on your life. And that's the space that we get to dream with God. But there is, there is an ingredient in the midst of this, 
this moment when Jesus steps into our lives and, and, and designs maybe five minutes, maybe five years, maybe 50 years, when he communicates to you the assignment that's on your life. There is an ingredient that we get to place into the, into the mix. And that ingredient is this, faithful obedience. So what does faithful obedience look like? What does it look like to respond to Jesus? What does it look like to give your life fully, full of faith, full of obedience to the dream that Jesus has spoken over your life? So back into this story in, in Luke 5. You know, Jesus is preaching. He has, he's taken himself to a side where the, uh, where the fishermen were cleaning their, cleaning their nets on the edge of the uh, the lake steps into a boat with Simon, heads on out. Uh, and then after preaching, he, he tells Simon he wants him to do something pretty peculiar. He says to Simon, I want you to throw over your nets because I want you to catch some fish. And, and this is Simon's response. And I want to journey back in, into this story because it's helpful to unpack some of the more specific detail of this story, which will help us understand really what was going on in this encounter between Simon and Jesus. Simon's response is this, Master, we've worked all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. So you have to understand the context of what's going on here, this interaction. This isn't just like willful disobedience. There is some real logic on, on the behalf of Simon as to why this is a ridiculous, impossible thing that Jesus is asking him to do. First thing we need to understand is that is, is, uh well, first thing to understand is I'm not a fisherman, but I have done a little reading. So the nets that um, Simon, Peter, uh, Simon and the other fishermen were cleaning at the edge of the, um, of the lake were trammel nets. They were linen trammel nets. And uh, there's a unique thing about those nets in that they were exclusively, uh, they were just used at night. They were very, very big, big nets. And, that, and there, was some, um, there was some reasoning behind why they were very, very big nets is because their nighttime fishing was different than daytime fishing. Nighttime fishing, you could go out on your boat, a couple of boats, and you could use these trammel, huge trammel nets. And you could be out on the lake for many, many hours because you weren't contending with the heat, right? You're there now. Are you sensing the heat? You're not contending with the heat because you're in the middle of the night. So you've got these, you've got these massive uh, um, linen um, white nets. You probably have seen pictures of, the, of them being dried out at, um, at the side of the lake. So these are white linen massive trammel nets, which are usually used with two boats that drop them down. It would be a larger crew. They would stay out for most of the night, and they would just drag this trammel net um, across the lake, and they would catch large sums of, of fish. Different to daytime, which would be di a different style of net. I didn't do my research on what they are called, but the different style of net. And you would have seen them. They would have been smaller nets, one-man nets, which they would cast out, and one man would be able to pull it in. And they would be okay for short, kind of um, quick fishing trips by single men. Because of the heat, you couldn't stay out there very long, and so you'd get out, and you'd fish very quickly with a small net, just one person, bring it in. That would be daytime fishing. So the reality is these white linen nets, which, which, um, which have no place being used during the daytime, because there's actually no way that a fish would get trapped in a white linen tremel net during the day. That's what I've read. I can't, I've never done it. I'm not a fisherman, but this is the facts. You would never use a white linen tremel net during the day. And yet here they are, Jesus, Simon, in a boat, middle of the day, 
scorching hot sun. And you can see that in Simon's response, um, there's a level of obedience because he chucks the nets over the side, but there's very little faith. Right? There's, there's an ingredient of obedience in there because he says, look, if you say so, I'll chuck the net over. And the reality is there's no sense of faith or preparation or plan because he's chucking a massive trammel net, white net, into the ocean during the day, which was not going to catch any fish. He knows that. It's a scientific fact. The fish are going to swim away from the flashing white net, not towards the net. It's just science fact. Right? So there's no sense of preparation and faith because he's just thrown a massive net that there's no way that even if he caught any fish that he's realistically going to be able to drag that net in by himself because the reality is that's why at nighttime they go out in groups of three or four with these trammel nets. It's, you would never go fishing with a trammel net by yourself. You just wouldn't. And you wouldn't do it during the day. So there's a level of response that is a response of obedience. It's kind of like... Um, well, it's kind of like both my kids when I ask them to do anything around the house. There's a, a level of obedience. You know, <laughs> Abby, would you, would you go tidy your room? <sighs> yes, and she goes upstairs and then everything gets pushed underneath the bed. There's a level of obedience. I mean, she went to her room briefly and threw everything under her bed. But there was no plan and there was no real sense of she did this. So you've got this situation Simon has responded, uh, and you've got to picture it as well. Like, Simon is a career fisherman, like, and he is surrounded by other fishermen. He's out on the lake. I would just, it'd be super embarrassing. Like, you could imagine the other fishermen stood at the edge going, what is he doing? He's throwing a white linen tremel net. It's the middle of the day. What is he doing? Like, the sheer embarrassment of the whole scenario. He's out there on a 25-foot boat that needs four people in as a minimum. And he's out there throwing a nighttime massive net out, into, out into, the, into the lake. It's ridiculous. It's impossible. If that was me, I wouldn't have even been obedient. I would just, I would just not done it. I would have, purely because I'm, I'm, I would just be embarrassed. I just wouldn't have done it. But Simon does it. He throws it over, throws it over the edge. And we see what happens next. We see the miracle. We see Jesus, because of what he'd spoken, we see the, the response to even just a small element of obedience. And, and we see this massive hall. And we see that Simon has to call over his friends. And we see this nighttime white tremble net full to the brim of fish, so much so that two boats are nearly sunk. Like this is beyond impossible. You know, one or two fish that maybe were stupid enough to swim towards the flashing white linen net, but not, not a whole, whole catch. This was impossibility made possible through the words of Jesus. And you could see that maybe, if maybe if Simon had his time again, maybe if this was the second time this had happened, maybe Simon's response would have been different. If this was round two of the same scenario, you, you could see... Uh, Simon responding differently. Him thinking, oh, I know what's going on here. I've been here before. Jesus has asked me to do something impossible. I've got very little faith. I did it. He came through. I've been here before. I'm going to respond differently. You know, if Jesus had, if he'd been around this block before and Jesus said the same thing, he would have said, ah, I've been here before. Right. 
absolutely I'm going to throw these nets over. Hang on a second so that we don't drown. I'm going to get my friends over here now. I'm going to bring the other boat. We're going to need it because you've said something and I have expectation. I have faith that that's going to happen and I'm going to be prepared. Like we could understand that Simon would, um, he would be prepared in that sense. You know, and this is, this is the challenge. Like, I don't want to really, you know, Simon's response in this initial moment is he was obedient. Like, there's, we can go a long way with, with just simple obedience to God. I, I, I'm not discounting the fact that, that obedience is a huge part of our faith journey. But I really, but what would it look like if our life was not just a, a, a journey of simply just obedience, but it was obedience that was mixed with faith and expectation? That actually in some way that in the moments that God calls us to do something in a moment, that there would be a, that what would hit our lives first is an expectation and then obedience would follow afterwards. That actually there, there could be this mixture of obedience and expectation that would be closely followed by activation. That our lives would, would activate what Jesus said, not simply out of duty or an obligation, but because we just know that when Jesus speaks, incredible things happen. When I partner my life with what Jesus has said, incredible, impossible things happen. And this is the journey I'm on in my own life, in recognizing that actually it's very easy for me to go through life simply with obedience. I was obedient. There are many things which I am obedient in in life, where Jesus isn't just looking for my obedience, he's looking for my expectation and activation. You know, it's one thing to put a ring on a finger. It's another thing to go and put a deposit on a, on a wedding reception venue. You know, there's an expectation and an activation towards that journey of faith. But so much of our life can be like, well, all right, okay, I'm going to be obedient to that thing, but I'm going to sit on the fringe because I, I don't really fully expect something to happen. And I certainly am not going to activate myself into that scenario. I'm just going to watch and see and hope something happens. And then maybe I'll ride the wave of whatever Jesus is doing. But the reality for us is is that there is this radical journey of obedience, expectation, and activation, which is the normal Christian life. And this is what we see second time around with Simon when, when Jesus speaks another dream into his life. When he says, from, from now on, you're going to be a fisher of men. What does he do? He learns from his previous encounter. He learns that what Jesus says, when, it's, when, it's, when even there's just obedience, things radically happen. But when Simon comes back to the edge of the, edge of the shore, and Jesus has said, from now on, you're going to be a fisher of men. Simon's life is radically turned around. He's seen something. He's known something about the faithfulness of Jesus. And he places the, the, the expectation and activation of his life towards Jesus' vision for his life. And he leaves everything and follows it. You know, faithful obedience is our obedience added with our expectation but added to an, an activation of putting my life behind the word of Jesus, putting my life behind what he said is about my life, what he's called me to, the, the assignment that he's spoken over my life. It's not just sitting on the fringes and, and waiting until that happens. It's saying, I'm going to give of my life and my faith and my obedience and my activation fully to step into what God's got for me. So Simon pulls the boat up on the shore. 
And the words are resounding around his head that Jesus has just declared something not about what's going to happen in the next 10 minutes, but what's going to happen for the rest of his life. And he responds with the whole of his life. He parks up everything and he follows Jesus. Hebrews 11 verse 1 gives a fascinating insight into faith. It says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is those two things. It's evidence and it's substance. Nowhere you'll find in scripture will it tell you that faith is, a description, is described as a mental agreement with something. It's not, it's not described as, a, as, as my mental agreement towards a thing. It's described as having substance. It's described in, in expectation language. Faith is something that you believe. It's, it's something that you believe and respond to. It's not just simply something that you believe. The bottom line for each one of us, you know, no matter where you're at in your life, when, when Jesus steps into the everyday moment of your life and says something to you, gives you a, a vision of the next 10 minutes, gives you the vision of the next 10 years, says this is the assignment on your life while you're sat in this coffee shop. This is the assignment that's on your life while you're teaching these kids. This is the assignment on your life when you're in this business, when you're in this workplace, when you're in this hospital. This is the assignment that's on your life. When he speaks that word, we have a choice to respond in faith. A faith that is marked by an expectation and an activation of my life towards that promise, towards that dream. Listen, we put our faith not in a concept. We put it in a person. Jesus is a person. Jesus is the substance. The Holy Spirit is what he has done and what he will do is the evidence. Putting our faith in a faithful father is the wisest, safest place for your life to be anchored to. This journey of faith is not simply just a mental ascent towards something. It's fully applying my life and the resource of my life towards what Jesus has said about my life. Faithful obedience is my obedience. It's my response filled with great expectations of a good God. It's my response in, in the way I give my time. It's the way that I care for those around me. It's the way that I pay attention to what the Lord's doing in a room when I walk into it. It's paying attention to the assignment that God's got for me in my everyday life. And again, I, I don't want for you and I to be dreaming about what our church can do. Our church is merely a family in which those dreams get to be incubated. They get to be birthed and they get to be equipped and they get to be strengthened and they get to, you know, the courage of other people's lives gets to be applied to the dream and the purpose that's on your life. And you get to go and do things and be somebody who you could have never been be before somebody else put courage in your life. This is what family's all about. There's a, um, I'll close with this story, there's a, a family in this church this morning, second Sunday they've been here. A few months ago, they were, uh, they were responding to the, what they believed was the Lord's call for them to move to Manchester, to come and to move their lives from another city to this city. All they had was a word from the Lord that that was what they were supposed to do, a sense that God was asking them to do that. They had a church family which they they had been around and, and loved us. 
And several months ago, they, they began to sense that as, a, as a, a moment when Jesus stepped into their world and said, this is what I want you to do. And they've backed that up with a level of expectation and activation that meant they put their house on the market. And their house sold very, very quickly. And the other things didn't line up very, very quickly. So they'd sold their house and they had a, a date which their house was to be exchanged several months later. And, uh, and that's all they had. We've sold our house. We're moving. We've got no job. We've got no school for the kids. Uh, and we've got nowhere to live. But the Lord's spoken. And I'm going to put the resource of my life and the response of my life in a place of expectation and in a place of obedience and in a place of doing something about that word. And they had another word that closely followed from somebody in their church at the time. And that word was, was twofold. It was this, that, it was, that the Lord was going to come through, but it was going to come through very late in the day. And that, uh, that a no that they had had would become a yes. And you're like, all right, God, you're speaking. That's good. Another moment where Jesus looks across the eyes of the boat and says, this is what I'm doing. All right, so I, I continue to put my, they continue to put their foot forward. We're still selling our house. We haven't pulled out, but we don't have a job. We don't have schools. It's complicated. We don't, still don't have anywhere to live. You can't get somewhere to live until you get a job. I haven't got a job. If you don't have a house, you don't get, it's complicated. So a couple of weeks are out before the, the house their house that they're selling is, is due to uh, complete and still no job, still no house, still no school. Several uh, job, um, jobs had been applied for, uh, interviews done, every time, no job at the end of it. One job that um, they applied for was a, it was a teaching post that, um, that they put an application in for and they didn't even get shortlisted for the job. We're a couple of weeks out from them moving to nowhere, with no job, no security. And that no became a yes, at least to an interview. So the, the school had, uh, had interviewed the people, um, offered it to somebody, they said no, so they went back out to advertising. And the person applied for the job again, and got a yes to an interview. So came up, got the interview. So we're about two weeks out before this house is all about to, to get sold. Remembering that this is a journey of months. Of being in a boat with Jesus and Jesus saying, this is what I want you to do. And, and two weeks out, the person gets the job that was a no that turned into a yes. On the same day, the primary school, which, um, which they'd inquired about for their kids, called and said, you boys have got places. And the house that they'd explored during the process of wanting to move up here, that they'd had to let go of because they didn't have a job, was still on the market. And so they um, put an offer in on that house, and that moved forward. So in one day, the Lord turned a really bleak situation because, I, because people, because they, they chose to put their life in that boat with Jesus hear what he said, respond to it with expectation. Now, because I know these people, the reality is that expectation is always twinged with fear and a level of what are we doing and a level of this is not working out. But again, the Lord spoke and they were carrying the word of the Lord. And in a day, everything turned around. 
Listen, for each one of us, there are different seasons of life that we're, we're in. And there are different things that, that Jesus steps into our everyday and calls us to. It might be that tomorrow morning you're sat in a coffee house. You're sat in your workplace. And Jesus speaks to you. He breaks into your everyday and he says, I want you to go and pray for that person that's sat over there. I want you to do this for me. I want you to step out. And it may be that, that, that that's, that's what it looks like tomorrow when God speaks to you. It may be that you're stewarding a, a, a dream. Something that God's spoken over your life that you feel like you've been carrying maybe for many, many years. And actually, I want to encourage you in that space that, that, that actually that your response in obedience and faith and activation is just as important as about the daily choices. But I want to encourage you that, that faithful obedience as a church family I want to encourage you and I want to encourage myself that there is a, there's a new landscape for us to explore, which is far beyond just how do I respond in obedience? How do I, just, how do I make sure I'm just doing the right thing? If Jesus says something, if, I'm, if there's a sense of the word of the Lord in this season or, or over my life, I want us to dream bigger than just how do I respond with obedience? I want us to be people that, like Simon got there in the end. He was able to lay down the whole of his life and, and choose with expectation and activation and obedience to walk out his life in faithful obedience. What would it look like tomorrow if we lived our lives with faithful obedience? What would it look like if we had an expectation about what God wanted to do in the next two to five weeks? What would it look like if, if we had an expectation of what God wanted to do in the next five years and then we actually placed the resource of our life behind that? What would it look like? What would the dreams that God would allow us to birth in our lives and what would he do in and through us if we had that level of faith? I think that's what God's calling us to. Why don't you stand? I want to pray.